Hi, everyone. Welcome to We Ask Watson, the perfect podcast for your commercial awareness. I'm Catherine. I'm the head of customer service, and I'm an ambassador for Watson's Daily at Oxford Brookes University. And I'm joined by the one and only Peter Watson. Insert round of applause. <laughs> thank you very much. What, <laughs> what an amazing uh, introduction. Uh, thank you very much for that. <laughs> um, As right. always, Peter, what was yep. your favorite story of the day? Yeah. Um, so my favorite story of the day was about um, Facebook getting into cloud gaming. Now, the thing is, is that uh, I think that it is, well, it's the latest company of the big tech companies to try and uh, make some inroads into game streaming. So it's going to be, it's it's going to be introducing this um, a platform called Facebook Gaming <laughs> um, for free. Uh, yeah, it does what it says on the tin. Um, so it is, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be um, uh, operating this for free. Um, this contrasts with um, rivals like Google Stadia or Microsoft xCloud, um, which charge a subscription. Um, doesn't sound like they're going to be many games, only six games. They're not going to be available across America um, initially. Like they'll be only available in certain places, but there's going to be more of a rollout. I mean, I presume that's one of the reasons why it's free because uh, uh, it's a bit limited. But but anyway, the main thing is is that they are moving into this area, um, and um, it is an area which I think is early on in its development. Um, because so we had like Google Stadia launched to great fanfare, but it's not done massively well. Um, but then there are some of the others, you know, you've got uh, Sony's PlayStation Now has got 2.2 million paid subscribers and NVIDIA's uh, GeForce Now, which has 4 million registered users, but they don't do a breakdown between um, paid and unpaid. So quite interesting. Um, I personally, this, this sort of, rolls into the story of um, obviously next month is when Sony and Microsoft uh, will be introducing their new consoles. Now, um, I personally think that those are going to be the last consoles of their type because um, consoles, I think, generally tend to have a sort of six to eight year um, uh, lifespan. And... I think that during that time with the uh, with with improved 5G rollout, I actually think that they will render consoles obsolete because you will be able to actually play games on on anything. You doesn't it means you don't have to have a console. So I think that, it, you know, times are very interesting. Facebook is a bit late to the party, but it's not as if the party is like really going really properly at the moment so better late than never um and uh you know i think it's a good way for facebook to try to to keep users on you know using its platform see i i disagree as a gamer i don't yeah. think consoles will ever go out of fashion i think we'll see a mix of both mm -hmm. and that will include cloud gaming but at the same time you will still have a traditional console it's one of those nostalgic things picking up a remote is so different than then i uh, i'm going to be honest peter when i think of facebook gaming i think of farmville yeah <laughs> that was about 20 years ago and everyone was obsessed with it 
I I must say uh, that does make me feel old because I don't think it was twenty years ago. <laughs> but, <laughs> but to you, it feels it feels like twenty years ago. So you know, hey. Um, but I mean, um, I can see what you mean, and I suppose like the 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 um, success of things like the switch, well, particularly the switch, um, would suggest that maybe there is some mileage um, in in terms of uh, maybe uh, switching across consoles so you're you're let's say you're okay in let's imagine the scenario right so in let's say few let's say three years time you are working your three-day week because obviously that's what everyone's going to be doing um <laughs> after 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 coronavirus so you're working on your three-day week you're on the train um because and and you know there aren't that many <laughs> there aren't that many trains at that point because they were they the railway system has been decimated but anyway you're on the train you're going to work oh no so you're coming back from work um uh, on your three-day week um you go you go you're going you're playing this game you're going home you're then um playing it uh playing the new you know, you're continuing your game on the tv when you sit down in front you know on your sofa um and then you continue playing it like that and instead of it being a switch it's actually your phone your tablet or whatever and it's switching between phone tap you know mobile device and tv i mean is that and and then you could pick up your console as well or some you know your your kind of controller or whatever i mean is that is that the kind of utopian um sort of scenario you're thinking of or do you think that it'll be something that's a bit different i i think you have a very twisted view of the world i hope it's a lot more <laughs> <laughs> i hope it's a lot more um less connected to screens but okay <laughs> If we are connected to screens in that way, I don't think that mobile devices or computers, uh, not computers, I don't think that tablets or even TVs will have the capacity to run the games that we want to run. And right. they can't now. We see that with um, big, big games, you know, the graphics that include, you have to have these massive computers at home mm. that are able to run these graphics and run these gameplays and open worlds. And I don't think that will ever... But don't you think, though, like, you know, in the... um, If you've got these, like, huge data centres and things with massive processing power working remotely, I mean, surely that's, you know, that's that's where... Isn't that where it's at? I mean, because, you know, it means that you don't have to have an expensive or um, specific device to actually play the game, whereas you can actually, you know, you can use the power of a remote server... I mean, isn't that don't you think that that's that's like a or or are you just going to be whack me out of the park there <laughs> <laughs> i mean i agree and disagree i think that there is this sort of um community that's created by having a, a console at home and it's a it's a bit elitist in that sense that you're able to sort of go oh what console do you have? Oh, you have a PlayStation. Okay, I'm I'm more of an Xbox player. And mm-hmm. I don't think that will ever um, past that stage because it is a community that you're trying to destroy mm. and it it goes back to what I my topic of the day is which yeah. is my favorite thing which is the Birkin bag <laughs> yeah 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 from games to bags I like the uh, I like the link there it's, it's good it's well good. it's it's all to do with part of community i think i think yeah. when it comes to luxury bags we're seeing a huge huge increase in sales you know prada has seen 
sales jump just in China, 60% in June and 66% in July. Mm -hmm. And Louis Vuitton, their sales, since it's come out of lockdown, has completely skyrocketed. Mm. And they've doubled. And that's really, really surprising. And that Mm. relates to this story of the day, which Mm -hmm. obviously everyone's really surprised at because this is the biggest listing Mm. ever. And... For the first time, it's outside of the New York market, a mm. uh, stock exchange, sorry. Mm. And that's the Jack Maas. I am very sorry if I have completely butchered his name. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think you got the Jack right, that's for sure. That, that I've got. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got that down. Jack Maas Ant Group, they yeah. have set for $34 billion. Now, that's not part that's not the company's value that's just they're raising that money mm-hmm. their current value is 313 billion dollars that to me seems insane i yeah. i cannot even imagine that amount of money no indeed that would be you know you, you could certainly survive on that couldn't you you know <laughs> as an individual <laughs> Um, you know, there'd be, I reckon, you know, takeouts every day, maybe the odd restaurant, you know, that sort of thing. Maybe you nice might as well here. buy the restaurant. Well, that's true. All the town, all the town that the restaurant is in for even, even, you know, if you just want to make sure that you'll definitely get a reservation. Um, <laughs> but, but I mean, yeah, I think it is an, it, it's a huge, you know, it's a huge IPO this, um, you know, it's, it, it, um, it's, it, it's bigger than last year's biggest ever which was um saudi aramco which raised something like 25 billion um dollars so this is this is a massive this is a big deal um and i think it's interesting that they're doing um shanghai and hong kong um and i think also it's very interesting because i think demand will be pretty high um it's very high profile um and i think that it will bring especially if it goes up in the immediate aftermarket to a decent level um i would have thought that um this is going to encourage a, um an extension of the feel good factor and it will mean that there'll be more um chinese tech companies in particular um coming to market because they'll want to surf that wave because the thing is is that um Again, I go back to when I was when I when I was a broker uh, a long time ago. You know, we we used to do a lot of um, I, IPOs, and um, you know, you want this kind of you you know you need this kind of feel good factor for IPOs to continue. So you want every IPO you want to see going up a decent amount, and that I mean, I think doubling and stuff like that is probably a bit ridiculous um, <laughs> because it would suggest that you've got the pricing strategy wrong um but you know if it goes up i don't know 20 10 20 percent or something like that everyone feels good the company feels good who's raising the money because they're like brilliant that's great and by the way our share options for all our pay is is now <laughs> they're now looking really good uh, so they feel good the investment uh you know the clients feel good because when they bought the they bought the stocks in the IPO and they see it go up twenty percent, they're like, "Brilliant, that's great." You know, I mean, you know, you you want you want um you want your portfolio to go up at that kind of value, so they're happy. And then the investment bankers who've actually advised on the deal, they're happy as well. And the reason is because 
that encourages other people that they then can then go out and do their sort of business development and they can go out and they can talk to more companies and say, Hey, look, we just did this fabulously successful and financial group, whatever. Uh, and, and, um, you know, wouldn't you like a piece of that action to which people will probably say yes. And actually, as it happens, I don't, I don't think that, um, Ant's group, I, I would be surprised if they, if their fees, uh, if, if they actually give out that much in the way of fees um, to the investment banks that are involved in the deal. Because what usually happens in something like this is they, um, they you know, the fees will be very, very low in terms of what, what they should be. Because usually there are a percentage of the amount, you know, of the amount they're raising. Um, but in this case, I would imagine that the fees will be very, very low because it's just the, for the investment banks, it's the prestige of actually being involved in the biggest ever um, IPO. And then if they can do that and then they go around, they market, we were part of this biggest ever IPO. Again, that gives them, um, uh, uh, you know, some some sort of, um, uh, I'm trying to think of a word other than kudos <laughs> because I hate the word kudos, but anyway, kudos, because I can't think of anything. It gives them kudos um, to go in front of others and get even more business, which they will do at a much higher margin. So it's all very, it's all very interesting. There's loads of really um, interesting stuff that comes as a result of this. So this on its own is interesting, but I think actually it's, it's going to make, it's going to change a lot of things as well. I, I think it all relates back to everyone's trying to show off with their consoles, with their <laughs> investment into Ant Group. It's, yeah. it's all about showing off. I'm, yeah. I'm, I want to know about your opinion concerning, obviously, the negativity surrounding Chinese groups, and especially China recently. Mm. Um, we can look at Luckin Coffee, and obviously yeah. that opened up in New York. Mm. And they had a huge controversy mm. because they had inflated their 2019 sales, which mm. then caused their shares to crash. Yeah. I mean, the main the, the thing with that is that so um, overall, as, as an actual as an actual theme, right, you've got the Amer- America versus China at the moment. So you've got um, America trying to push back on um, China tech and you know, some of that has been you've seen most recently with um, TikTok and and Trump saying that, you know, um, that that uh, user data by, that you get on TikTok is actually vulnerable to um, being used by the Chinese government. Um, he's obviously used the same kind of line um, on um, Huawei uh, over the last year or so. And then before that, it was ZTE. So, I mean, he's still uh, slagging off ZTE as well. But anyway, so there's that There's that sort of negative sentiment. And then coupled with that, you've got um, the, New, the New York Stock Exchange, which has been, which has been talking about how, um, it is, how it is going to be um, making everyone you know, who lists on the New York Stock Exchange follow the rules much more closely, i.e., you know they've got to publish proper accounts and and all this kind of stuff whereas before they've kind of some of the chinese tech companies have been skirting skirting things a bit so um so anyway there's a there's a whole there's a whole thing there and um that 
uh, that particular sentiment was brought about by, as you say, luck in coffee, which is the the hyper fast growth um, Chinese um, coffee shop, which is the a big um, rival to uh, to uh, Starbucks in China, uh, when it was discovered that they had dodgy accounts. So that all that all sorted that all made, meant that there was um, a lot of bad sentiment towards Chinese companies generally, and then that's that's also translated into you know anti-Chinese sentiment for tech companies. So it's all you know. I know it kind of sounds all different, but actually I think it's all related. There's a there's a general move um, by America to try to you know push back on well, I guess Chinese success really you know both in terms of in terms of coffee uh but also uh tech more generally and i i completely agree and i think it relates to the rise of nationalism not only in the u.s but in the european union which mm. we've seen recently and mm. i think with that nationalism will obviously come this pushback towards outsider companies yeah yeah no so we'll see we'll see more of that although although i would say that actually one of the things is is people will be and countries and governments will be very interested in in jobs so i think that although there will be pushback in some areas um i think that if these companies are able to provide jobs some of that nationalism is going to have to kind of you know be swept aside i think so uh, but anyway we'll see it's there's a lot of very <laughs> there's a lot of very interesting um uh kind of you know uh themes being brought up just by these two stories uh which actually leads me on to say that um you know i think that obviously what what we do in this podcast is we take two stories from watson's daily and then maybe bring in some uh, talk a bit um so talk about them in a bit more depth but also bring in more different themes um because i think it is you know a lot of these stories this is a very important thing to remember is uh, these stories do not generally exist in isolation you know uh in this you know every everything is connected um and so i think it's very important to actually um talk about these things to try and well a get get your head around them but also um to think about what the implications so rather than just be a passive receiver of this kind of thing you you know you actually think about it more um and then you can if you if you can understand that then you can work out what may happen in the future so um so to that end you know we're talking about two we talked about two stories today we're on about 18 or 18 or almost 19 <laughs> minutes um but you know there's lo- there's loads more um uh, stories in watson's daily so uh in order to increase your the breadth of your knowledge um please uh, subscribe to watson's daily because it will help you and follow peter and watson's daily all on linkedin facebook and instagram and hopefully peter will be very kind and let us see the dog in the background <laughs> we just heard yeah oh right, yeah <laughs> I, you did hear that yeah no basically i've got a 14 year old dog who gets a bit cranky if she's not allowed into the room um and i couldn't i can't reach the door without 
um, unplugging this. So anyway, uh, yeah, maybe you'll see, we'll see Poppy at some point in the future. But there you go. <laughs> I thought I, I thought I styled that out quite well, to be honest. Um, but 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 clearly not. Um, anyway, thank you very much, Catherine. Um, it's good fun today, um, and um, I'll speak to you tomorrow. Perfect. Thank you so much, Peter. Cool. See ya. Bye. Hi, everyone. Welcome to We Ask Watson, the perfect podcast for your commercial awareness. I'm Catherine. I'm the head of customer service, and I'm an ambassador for Watson's Daily at Oxford Brookes University. And I'm joined by the one and only Peter Watson. Insert round of applause. <laughs> thank you very much. What, <laughs> what an amazing uh, introduction. Uh, thank you very much for that. <laughs> um, As right. always, Peter, what was yep. your favorite story of the day? Yeah. Um, so my favorite story of the day was about um, Facebook getting into cloud gaming. Now, the thing is, is that uh, I think that it is, well, it's the latest company of the big tech companies to try and uh, make some inroads into game streaming. So it's going to be, it's it's going to be introducing this um, uh, platform called Facebook Gaming <laughs> um, for free. Uh, yeah, it does what it says on the tin. Um, so it is, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be um, uh, operating this for free. Uh, this contrasts with um, rivals like Google Stadia or Microsoft xCloud, um, which charge a subscription. Um, doesn't sound like they're going to be many games, only six games. They're not going to be available across America um, initially. Like they'll be only available in certain places, but there's going to be more of a rollout. I mean, I presume that's one of the reasons why it's free because uh, uh, it's a bit limited. But but anyway, the main thing is, is that they are moving into this area. Um, and um, it is an area which I think is early on in its development. Um because so we had like Google Stadia launched a great fanfare, but it's not done massively well. Um, but then there are some of the others, you know, you've got uh, Sony's PlayStation Now has got 2.2 million paid subscribers and NVIDIA's uh, GeForce Now, which has 4 million registered users, but they don't do a breakdown between um, paid and unpaid. So quite interesting. Um, I personally, this, this sort of, rolls into the story of um, obviously next month is when Sony and Microsoft uh, will be introducing their new consoles. Now, um, I personally think that those are going to be the last consoles of their type because um, consoles, I think, generally tend to have a sort of six to eight year um, uh, lifespan. And... I think that during that time with the uh, with with improved 5G rollout, I actually think that they will render consoles obsolete because you will be able to actually play games on on anything. You doesn't it means you don't have to have a console. So I think that, it, you know, times are very interesting. Facebook is a bit late to the party, but it's not as if the party is like really going really properly at the moment so better late than never um and uh you know i think it's a good way for facebook to try to to keep users on you know using its platform see i i disagree as a gamer i don't yeah. think consoles will ever go out of fashion i think we'll see a mix of both mm -hmm. 
and that will include cloud gaming but at the same time you will still have a traditional console it's one of those nostalgic things picking up a remote is so different than then I, uh, I'm going to be honest, Peter. When I think of Facebook gaming, I think of Farmville. Yeah. <laughs> that was about 20 years ago, and everyone was obsessed with it. <laughs> I, I must say, uh, that does make me feel old, because I don't think it was 20 years ago. <laughs> but, <laughs> but to you, it feels, it feels like 20 years ago. So, you know, hey. Um, but, I mean, um, I can see what you mean. And I suppose, like, the, the, the um, success of things like the Switch, well, particularly the switch um would suggest that maybe there is some mileage um in in terms of uh maybe uh switching across consoles so you're you're let's say you're okay in let's imagine the scenario right so in let's say let's say three years time you are working your three-day week because obviously that's what everyone's going to be doing um, <laughs> after, after, after co- co- coronavirus. So you're working on your three-day week. You're on the train um, because, and, and you know, there aren't that many, <laughs> there aren't that many trains at that point because they, they, the railway system has been decimated. But anyway, you're on the train, you're going to work. Oh, no, so you're coming back from work um uh, on your three-day week um you go you go you're going you're playing this game you're going home you're then um playing it uh playing the new you know, you're continuing your game on the tv when you sit down in front you know on your sofa um and then you continue playing it like that and instead of it being a switch it's actually your phone your tablet or whatever and it's switching between phone tap you know mobile device and tv i mean is that and and then you could pick up your console as well or some you know your your kind of controller or whatever i mean is that is that the kind of utopian um sort of scenario you're thinking of or do you think that it'll be something that's a, a bit different i i think you have a very twisted view of the world i hope it's a lot more <laughs> <laughs> i hope it's a lot more um less connected to screens but okay <laughs> If we are connected to screens in that way, I don't think that mobile devices or computers, uh, not computers, I don't think that tablets or even TVs will have the capacity to run the games that we want to run. And right. they can't now. We see that with um, big, big games, you know, the graphics that include, you have to have these massive computers at home mm. that are able to run these graphics and run these gameplays and open worlds. And I don't think that will ever... But don't you think, though, like, you know, in the... um, If you've got these, like, huge data centres and things with massive processing power working remotely, I mean, surely that's, you know, that's that's where... Isn't that where it's at? I mean, because, you know, it means that you don't have to have an expensive or um, specific device to actually play the game, whereas you can actually, you know, you can use the power of a remote server... I mean, isn't that, don't you think that that's, that's like a, or, or are you just going to be whack me out of the park there? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I agree and disagree. I think that there is this sort of um, community that's created by having a, a console at home. And it's a, it's a bit elitist in that sense that you're able to sort of go, oh, what console do you have? Oh, you have a PlayStation. Okay, I'm, I'm more of an Xbox player. And mm-hmm. I don't think that will ever um past that stage because it is a community that you're trying to destroy mm. and it, it it goes back to what i my topic of the day is which yeah. is 
my favorite thing, which is the Birkin bag. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. From games to bags, I like the uh, I like the link there. It's, it's good. It's well, good. it's it's all to do with part of community. I think. I think yeah. when it comes to luxury bags, we're seeing a huge, huge increase in sales. You know, Prada has seen sales jump just in China, sixty percent in June and sixty-six percent in July, mm-hmm. and Louis Vuitton their sales since it's come out of lockdown has completely skyrocketed mm. and they've doubled and that's really really surprising and that mm. relates to this story of the day which mm-hmm. obviously everyone's really surprised at because this is the biggest listing mm. ever and for the first time it's outside of the new york market a mm. uh, stock exchange sorry mm. and that's the Jack Maws. I am very sorry if I have completely butchered his name. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think you got the Jack right. That's for sure. That that I've got. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got that down. Jack Maws Ant Group. They yeah. have set for thirty-four billion. Now that's not part. That's not the company value. That's just they're raising that money. Mm-hmm. Their current value is three hundred and thirteen billion dollars that to me seems insane i yeah. i cannot even imagine that amount of money no indeed that would be you know you, you could certainly survive on that couldn't you you know <laughs> as an individual um you know there'd be I, I reckon you know takeouts every day maybe the old restaurant you know that sort of thing maybe you nice might as well buy the restaurant well that's true all the town, all the town that the restaurant is in for even, even, you know, if you just want to make sure that you'll definitely get a reservation. Um, <laughs> but, but I mean, yeah, I think it is an, it, it's a huge, you know, it's a huge IPO this, um, you know, it's, it's, it, um, it, it, it's bigger than last year's biggest ever, which was um, Saudi Aramco, which raised something like $25 billion. Um, so this is, this is a massive, this is a big deal. Um, and I think it's interesting that they're doing um, Shanghai and Hong Kong. Um, and I think also it's very interesting because I think demand will be pretty high. Um, it's very high profile. Um, and I think that it will bring, especially if it goes up in the immediate aftermarket to a decent level, um, I would have thought that um, this is going to encourage a, um, an extension of the feel-good factor and it will mean that there'll be more um, Chinese tech companies in particular um, coming to market because they'll want to surf that wave. Because the thing is, is that, um, again, I go back to when I was, when I, when I was a broker uh, a long time ago, you know, we, we used to do a lot of um, IPOs and, um, you know, you want this kind of, you, you know, you need this kind of feel good factor for IPOs to continue. So you want every IPO you want to see, going up a decent amount and that i mean i think doubling and stuff like that is probably a bit ridiculous um, <laughs> because it would suggest that you've got the pricing strategy wrong um but you know if it goes up i don't know 20 10 20 percent or something like that everyone feels good the company feels good who's raising the money because they're like brilliant that's great and by the way our share options for all our pay is is now <laughs> they're now looking really good uh, so they feel good the investment, uh, you know, the clients feel good because when they bought the they bought the stocks in the IPO, 
and they see it go up 20%, they're like, brilliant. That's great. You know, I mean, you know, you, you want, you want, um, you want your portfolio to go up at that kind of value. So they're happy. And then the investment bankers who've actually advised on the deal, they're happy as well. And the reason is because that encourages other people that they then can then go out and do their sort of business development and they can go out and they can talk to more companies and say, Hey, look, we just did this fabulously successful and financial group, whatever. Uh, and, and um, you know, wouldn't you like a piece of that action to which people will probably say yes. And actually, as it happens, I don't, I don't think that um, Ant's group, I, I would be surprised if they, if their fees, uh, if, if they actually give out that much in the way of fees um, to the investment banks that are involved in the deal. Because what usually happens in something like this is they, um, they you know, the fees will be very, very low in terms of what, what they should be. Because usually there are a percentage of the amount, you know, of the amount they're raising. Um, but in this case, I would imagine that the fees will be very, very low because it's just the, for the investment banks, it's the prestige of actually being involved in the biggest ever um, IPO. And then if they can do that and then they go around, they market, we were part of this biggest ever IPO. Again, that gives them, um, uh, uh, you know, some some sort of, um, uh, I'm trying to think of a word other than kudos <laughs> because I hate the words kudos, but anyway, kudos, because I can't think of anything. It gives them kudos um, to go in front of others and get even more business, which they will do at a much higher margin. So it's all very, it's all very interesting. There's loads of really um, interesting stuff that comes as a result of this. So this on its own is interesting, but I think actually it's, it's going to make, it's going to change a lot of things as well. I, I think it all relates back to everyone's trying to show off with their consoles, with their <laughs> investment into and group. It's, yeah. it's all about showing off. I'm, yeah. I'm, I want to know about your opinion concerning, obviously, the negativity surrounding Chinese groups, and especially China recently. Mm. Um, we can look at Luckin Coffee, and obviously yeah. that opened up in New York. Mm. And they had a huge controversy mm. because they had inflated their 2019 sales, which mm. then caused their shares to crash. Yeah. I mean, the main the, the thing with that is that so um, overall, as, as an actual as an actual theme, right, you've got the Amer- America versus China at the moment. So you've got um, America trying to push back on um, China tech and. You know, some of that has been you've seen most recently with um, TikTok and and Trump saying that, you know, um, that that uh, user data that you get on TikTok is actually vulnerable to um, being used by the Chinese government. Um, He's obviously used the same kind of line um, on um, Huawei uh, over the last year or so. And then before that, it was ZTE. So, I mean, he's still uh, slagging off ZTE as well. But anyway, so there's that there's that sort of negative sentiment. And then coupled with that, you've got um, the, New, the New York Stock Exchange, which has been which has been talking about how um, it is, how it is going to be um, making everyone you know, who lists on the New York Stock Exchange follow the rules much more closely, i.e., you know they've got to publish proper accounts and and all this kind of stuff whereas before they've kind of 
some of the Chinese tech companies have been skirting skirting things a bit. So um, so anyway, there's a there's a whole there's a whole thing there, and um, that uh, that particular sentiment was brought about by, as you say, luck in coffee, which is the the hyper fast growth um, Chinese um, coffee shop, which is the a big um, rival to uh, to uh, Starbucks in China, uh, when it was discovered that they had dodgy accounts. So that all that all sorted that all made, meant that there was um, a lot of bad sentiment towards Chinese companies generally, and then that's that's also translated into you know anti Chinese sentiment for tech companies. So it's all you know. I know it kind of sounds all different, but actually I think it's all related. There's a there's a general move. Um, by america to try to you know push back on well i guess chinese success really you know both in terms of in terms of coffee uh but also uh, tech more generally and i i completely agree and i think it relates to the rise of nationalism not only in the u.s but in the european union which mm. we've seen recently and mm. i think with that nationalism will obviously come this pushback towards outsider companies yeah yeah, no. So we'll see. We'll see more of that. Although, although I would say that actually, one of the things is is people will be and countries and governments will be very interested in in jobs. So I think that although there will be pushback in some areas, um, I think that if these companies are able to provide jobs, some of that nationalism is going to have to kind of you know be swept aside i think so uh, but anyway we'll see it's there's a lot of very <laughs> there's a lot of very interesting um uh kind of you know uh themes being brought up just by these two stories uh which actually leads me on to say that um you know t- i think that obviously what what we do in this podcast is we take two stories from watson's daily and then maybe bring in some talk a bit um so talk about them in a bit more depth but also bring in more different themes um because i think it is you know a lot of these stories this is a very important thing to remember is uh, these stories do not generally exist in isolation you know uh in this you know every everything is connected um and so i think it's very important to actually um, talk about these things to try and well a get get your head around them but also um to think about what the implications so rather than just be a passive receiver of this kind of thing you you know you actually think about it more um and then you can if you if you can understand that then you can work out what may happen in the future so um so to that end you know we're talking about two we talked about two stories today we're on about 18 or 18 or almost 19 minutes. Um, but, you know, there's, lo- there's loads more um, uh, stories in Watson's Daily. So uh, in order to increase your, the breadth of your knowledge, um, please uh, subscribe to Watson's Daily because it will help you. And follow Peter and Watson's Daily all on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. And hopefully Peter will be very kind and let us see the dog in the background. We just heard. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> you did hear that. Yeah. No, basically I've got a 14 year old dog who gets a bit cranky if she's not allowed into the room. Um, and I couldn't, I can't reach the door without 
um, unplugging this. So anyway, uh, yeah, maybe you'll see, we'll see Poppy at some point in the future. But there you go. <laughs> I thought I, I thought I styled that out quite well, to be honest. Um, but 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 clearly not. Um, anyway, thank you very much, Catherine. Um, it's good fun today, um, and um, I'll speak to you tomorrow. Perfect. Thank you so much, Peter. Cool. See ya. Bye.